Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Struggle Create Strength. Struggle Create Strength is a mental health platform exemplifying that everyone has a story. I always say that no two stories are the same, but every story has the potential to help someone else. On today's episode, we are joined by 20-year-old Rachel Garreau. And Before I tell you a little bit about her story, I first and foremost just want to say thank you to everyone who has listened and supported Struggle Create Strength for the past 20 episodes. It's crazy to think that we're already at 20 episodes, but it's been one heck of a journey and I couldn't have done it without everyone. And for the 20th episode, Rachel Garreau is going to talk about some of her encounters with suicidal thoughts, suicidal attempts, bipolar 2 disorder, and much more. Her story is one that truly took me by the emotional side and I'm sure it will as with you as well, but there's a lot to learn from it and she is such a strong and warm-hearted individual who I think will touch the world in such a positive way. I hope everyone enjoys her story and I hope everyone can take at least a little something from Rachel today. Also, this podcast is sponsored by Raincoast Clothing. Raincoast Clothing is a clothing company based out of Vancouver Island, Canada. They represent nature by embracing adventure, spontaneity, and health, both physical and mental. They have recently decided to join my mental health movement and donate 5% of profits from every item of clothing towards mental health awareness. Also, we have collaborated and created a Struggle Create Strength t-shirt, which has 100% of profits going towards mental health awareness. Go to raincoastclothing.com and help support mental health while getting yourself some great clothes. I hope you enjoy Rachel's story and just remember that everyone has a story. Oh my god, I'm so scared. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be scared. There's nothing to be scared about. I know, I know. I'm just like very nervous. <laughs> Thanks so much for uh, having me. I didn't think I'd get a response. I was like, shit, let's just send one out, see what happens. <laughs> of course. But... Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, no, I'm like, I am forever grateful for anyone who is willing to actually share their story and especially a story like yourself. And I just always, I, I, it's almost like Christmas morning every single time before a podcast. And I get so excited because I get to hear some of the most vulnerable parts of someone's life and the most interesting parts of someone's life and the parts that honestly have brought them to where they are today and has ultimately shaped them to where they are. And I mean, it's such a cliche thing to say that you kind of like your past shapes your future, but it's, it's so true. And just you being here is, is amazing. And I, I personally just can't thank you enough for that. So thank you. I mean, thanks for having me. Oh yeah. Um, if there's any slight scuffling around, my puppy's supposed to be sleeping, but if you hear a scuffle, he probably took a shoe or something, but (laughs) that would be what it is. Yeah, no, that's totally okay. Um, Yeah, so honestly, like, with these podcasts, it's always, like, I always try to change things up, and I try to jump into different forms of kind of, like, structure, but I realize that the best way to do it is kind of just have you, like, give you the platform, and that's essentially why you're here. You're here to share your story on a platform, and so do you want to kind of just jump right into your story and start from where it all began? Okay. Alrighty. Uh, I guess I'll start at the beginning. Um, so uh, I guess I kind of started feeling, um, I guess I would call it, I didn't know what the word depression was, um, but I guess I thought I was just really sad for some reason at probably the age of like 11, probably in grade six. And 
every single night I'd be up till probably like 4 a.m. and I'd get up at like 6.30 to go for school um, every morning. And in the day, it was just persistently sad all day. And I was like, oh, people just get sad, right? Um, and it kind of progressed for a couple years. Um, and I, I never really thought much of it. No one really ever told anything and ever spoke up of anything. Um, and then I guess kind of the pivotal point was I, when I turned 14, um, I think I started to develop um, body issues. I was in kind of a perpetual state of feeling depressed. Um, I also started self-harming when I was 14. And it was all really strange because I really had no idea what was going on or why I was doing things to hurt myself. Um, uh, and then it all kind of turned from bad to really worse when I unfortunately at the age of 14, uh, I was sexually assaulted. Um, and again, I also wasn't aware of what was going on or what was happening with that either. Mm -hmm. um, and later on that year, I guess it was 2015, I attempted my first suicide. Um, I went to bed and I didn't think I was supposed to wake up. I did wake up. I wasn't taken to a hospital or anything. Um, my family actually never knew until a couple of years later until I brought it up with them. Um, I woke up the next morning. I was extremely sick. Um, I just played it off as a, you know, I have the flu. Um, that year, my mom, um, my mom is very, very supportive and has been super awesome with this. And I started counseling, went to the doctors. They're like, okay, like you have major depressive disorder. And they prescribed me um, a kind of drug that's called like SSRIs, which are uh, serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Mm -hmm. And that went <laughs> very, very poorly. Um, I was on it for a bit and basically... I was on it for probably like a month. And then after that, it was like, all right, let's jump into a uh, giant amount of a uh, teenage rebellion. And, you know, eventually a little bit later, I took myself off the med and I was like, oh, I'm fine. Everything's great. Um, eventually everything throughout my basically high school experience was kind of fluctuating in between you know, really, really bad or really good. I never thought anything of it. I was just like, oh, I must just be getting depression on and off. Um, no big deal. Um, then, uh, unfortunately, when I was in grade 10, I did have a classmate um, who we like lost to suicide, which definitely gave a very big uh, shakeup. And then once I graduated, uh, I was like, oh, I've been fine for six months. This is going great. Um, and then unfortunately, I did lose an old close friend, a teammate to suicide in 2018, which was definitely a very rough go. Um, and for the rest of kind of the year, it was, you know, gradual ups and downs. And it wasn't until uh, 2020 uh, after my first year going to UBCO, where it got so bad that I came home and I asked my mom to go and take me to the hospital or I was going to do something very regrettable. Um, so like check myself in. Um, and the next morning I got to see a psychiatrist and they did a test and like, oh, 
you have ADHD. And I was like, okay, uh, sounds great. Uh, pass me the meds, get me some therapy. I'd love to get help. Um, obviously taking the meds was, I went through like, like six different kinds. And a couple of them, probably a couple of weeks after I took them where I was after feeling very suicidal, it was boom. I was going out like <laughs> multiple weekends, all this stuff. And it actually wasn't until uh, probably in the past month that I got diagnosed with bipolar two, which ended up being a big thing on hello, how did no one diagnose this um, by the psychiatrist, which was super great. So starting on medications to help that, which has been super good. Um, but yeah, basically in compressed form without going into great lengths of excruciating detail, that's the long story short. Yeah, no, that's, like, that's so crazy. And just, I know that experiencing loss, especially like with anyone and especially people that are close to you, like it's never easy, no matter how mentally strong you actually are, but especially for someone that's going through, going through such difficult mental health struggles and then throwing that on top of it, or even like just knowing, like just knowing how it affects those types of people. I know for myself, I was in that state. Um, actually, I've been in that state a couple of times now and it's never fun and it's never like, obviously it's never easy, but just the ways that it can actually affect someone, I don't think people realize. And I know even for myself, when I went through some of my deepest, darkest points and I had loss chucked in there as well. And it's just, it almost uproots your life to a point where you stand still and you're at a huge loss and you think you, you think you need a million different either medications or people or just like anything to help you and get you back to where you once were or where you want to be. And that's the harsh reality of it is like, there's so many other things that you need to do and so many other realizations that you need to make in order to actually get better or know that it's going to be okay. And that's with loss. That's the hardest part is because there's a lot of times when, and I'm sure you've felt this way as well, but where it feels like it's never going to get better. And especially in mental health and depression, anxiety, any form, there's a lot of times when it feels like it's never going to get better. And I think I'm sure, I don't know, but I'm sure you can kind of attest to this is that like through the right steps and through the right actions, things do get better. And although yes, like some things suck and some things are really hard to, to cope with, it can get better and through the different steps. But one of the things that you're doing is you are taking medication and you have in the past, but you just talk to us a little bit about how um, how you know if something is basically if a medication is hurting you or if it's actually helping you. Okay, um, so basically, uh, I guess what a lot of people don't know, especially if you get diagnosed with like 
major depressive disorder or even um, some kind of anxiety disorders, you do get put on some kinds of antidepressants. And a big um, side effect of a lot of some antidepressants is an increase in suicidal thoughts, ide like idealization or suicide itself, which I mean is quite ironic that you're taking something to help prevent those kind of things. Um, it doesn't happen in all cases, um, but for a lot of things, I find that, for instance, with ADHD, is they are stimulant medications. So they do have a lot of side effects that aren't very pleasant. Um, insomnia is one that is probably the worst. I don't think I slept for like six days, basically. Wow. Um, it's super painful. It's not like I, like, uh, you know, because many people do abuse ADHD medications for like studying purposes and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's not, I don't feel like I feel like wired or anything. It's that my brain won't shut off and it would be like this painful, never ending cycle of I just want to sleep. Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely, if you ever do um, choose or think about going on medications, I guess I would definitely look out for um, insomnia um, is a big one. Um, some people get um, nightmares or really bad dreams, mm -hmm. um, which isn't like a well talked about, I guess, uh, side effect for a lot of times going on medications. But for some people, they do find them really disturbing. Like I get really, really weird dreams on some medications. Um, luckily, they haven't freaked me out. Um, you know, I guess one thing that is also pretty tough is a lot of um, medications that involve mental health quite a couple of them do entail weight gain. Mm -hmm. um, not for everyone, obviously, and whatnot. And it could be five pounds, it could be 20 and whatnot. Um, I do think that's definitely a really tough thing to cope with um, for a lot of people because it's you're already battling mental health issues and then you're having this onset of, oh my gosh, like why am I gaining weight? What's wrong with me? I'm eating healthy, I'm going to the gym um which is definitely a thing um I also definitely think it is a very difficult thing it was for me to come to terms with taking medication mm -hmm. um and also getting therapy I find that it's you know for me it was coming to terms with oh like what's you know like something's wrong with me like why do I have to take medications for how my head works and how I think mm -hmm. um I should just think my way out of it, just be happy. I've been told that a countless amount of times um, in my life. Doesn't work, <laughs> unfortunately, as much as I would love for that to happen. Um, I guess one thing that kind of helped me come to terms with getting help and seeking kind of medication is, um, it was online and I saw this post um, that was about, well, you know, if you have high blood pressure, um, you know, you can control your breathing, right? And to an extent, controlling your breathing can control your heart rate, but it doesn't, you can't control your breathing all the time. And no one's going to be mad at you for taking blood pressure medication. It's something out of your control and something that you can't help. Mm -hmm. um, which I think I saw that when I was like 15 or 16 and I was like, oh, you know, it's okay that something is out of my control and that I need a little bit of extra assistance. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but when I like, I still do have troubles with being trying to be like stubborn and very like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. Like I, I don't like to um, <laughs> worry or stress anybody. And I think that is a common issue with people where you're fine until you're not fine. You're fine until you're too far down the hole, basically. I find for a lot of people and it um, gets to that point, like it's very hard to climb out of that hole that you've let yourself go down. Um, well, for me in my case, mm-hmm. um, especially with some um, feeling, I, especially with loss and traumatic experiences, I think that guilt is a huge factor that really, I guess, it's kind of this feels like this heavy weight on you, especially with like um, loss of family or friends or any people kind of connected into your life. Um, especially for me, when I lost my teammate a couple years ago, mm-hmm. um, it was one of those things where it goes through your head and you're like, what if I called them? What if I texted them? Oh, but what if I talked to them six months ago about this? Or what if I talked to them three months ago? Or it's like, you know, it's a traumatic thing and you unfortunately can't change the past. And I think it is definitely very tough as, you know, I I have some other friends that do suffer suffer with um, mental health issues and especially with dealing with the passing of someone who has lost a battle to mental illness. Mm -hmm. I think a big part of that that does kind of, you know, put the nail in the coffin in some sense is, you understand why they did it because how they're feel like you know it's not obviously a justification but it's so heart-wrenching to know that someone else was feeling that giant amount of distress and turmoil in their life and that you know you yourself can relate to it in some way um especially for people you know who have like attempted suicide or have suicidal um, thoughts. Um, it is something I find really sad and dis- disturbing in a sense to deal with because it's hard to, you know, try to explain to someone that you you understand, like you you understand the deepness of someone else's pain, um, especially. It always, I guess that kind of always shocks me, I guess the amount of people who um, think mental health doesn't exist <laughs> in a sense. Uh, I will always remember going to like um, some, some sort of like a eyelash or something place. And the lady was like, I don't get why people commit suicide. You know, like they're so privileged. They should just be happy all the time you know like this depression stuff and I'm sitting there I'm like uh yeah cool uh that's great I'm glad to glad to hear you think it's not real (laughs) and you know I actually find there's a uh, a large amount of um I kind of see like around the middle age range of adults who you know aren't very aware of it I guess it is also a very um you know sociocultural thing as in like you know we've grown up with social media and I mean, social media has to extent caused a lot of damage for many individuals, but also spreading awareness, like your page, you've caused like a, a great deal of like a local following and people, you know, around BC and other provinces and like young people to come together. And I guess, um, 
talk about these kind of issues and whatnot, which is astounding. But I do think it's definitely that needs to be more widespread to a lot of people, as in the fact that a lot of people, I guess, don't understand that, oh, you're anxious, just don't be stressed. Or, you know, oh, you're depressed, just be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, um, that kind of stuff, which is, I think, something that needs to be addressed as, you know, um, a worldwide thing. And I definitely think that it's gotten a lot better over the ages and whatnot, which I definitely think is a very good thing. Um, especially with, you know, I think it's very important that I think that uh, addressing feelings and I guess kind of what's like, what's a healthy amount of sadness and not a healthy amount of sadness because sadness is absolutely happy. Mm-hmm. You are supposed to feel upset at things. You're supposed to feel angry. Those are completely valid and regular emotions people should feel. Um, but, you know, looking back when I was, you know, 12 or 13, you know, I wish that I had, you know, in a sense, a teacher or some kind of figure in my life that was like, hey, you know, feeling these kind of things are okay. But, you know, if you're feeling this kind of sad, like you should talk about it and you should be okay to talk about it. I think it's something that I would love to see in the future, I guess, especially maybe interpolated into the like uh, education system in Canada, which I think would be very beneficial. Because mm-hmm. I do think education um, does help a lot of people in just kind of understanding their feelings and whatnot. But yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I like, I mean, I've had a couple conversations with people about getting basically getting more education behind mental health into the school systems. And I know that's something that I'm super eager to try and actually like make happen because I know for myself, when I was in middle school, mental health was never, ever talked about. And I was like, I remember those were some of my darkest times and I would be super lonely. And a lot of people thought that I was just acting out and that I was just trying to gain attention or just anything along those lines. And that's when I started, like, that's when it ultimately made me fall into a deeper depression and because I just felt like I was alone like nobody understood and nobody cared because there was nobody that would come be by my side and it wasn't like I was hiding from everyone and anything like I was still around everyone and still going to school on a regular basis and there was a million opportunities for people to help but in reality, at that time, nobody understood mental health struggles and nobody would even know how to really help someone with mental health struggles. And then in high school, same sort of thing. Like it was never, it was talked about more in my later years for sure. But I think when I was in grade 10, I was going again, like through a similar state to when I was in middle school. And it was just a state of like pure loneliness and just not that I was alone in any which way, honestly, like I always had a lot of friends, a lot of teammates, my family was always there, but 
like, and I'm sure you can speak on this as well is when you fall into a depressive state or a state of pure anxiety, you honestly feel like you're alone and you feel like you almost have to isolate yourself from people. And that's how I felt was I felt like I, I wanted to be around people. I wanted to talk to them about some of the things that I'm encountering, but at the same time, I don't want them to judge me. I don't want them to look at me in any different way. I don't want them to treat me differently. So I figured the best way to deal with it was to isolate myself from people. And if I couldn't isolate myself, then hide it the best that I possibly could. And ultimately that's when, that's when it would be so important to have this within the school system is because if you're constantly getting educated on how to help someone that's feeling lonely, how to help someone that looks lonely or someone that is evidently struggling with mental health, I think that's when it becomes so important that we educate everyone on how to deal with those things. And so if you're walking down, I don't know, walking outside for lunch and you see somebody sitting in the corner all lonely, like maybe go up and ask them how they're doing. How is their mental health? And there's, I mean, there's so many different ways to go about it, but I just, I really think implementing mental health education into the education system would be beyond beneficial. And I know that myself, I definitely would have benefited from it. And I'm sure I would have had a hundred more resources out there for myself that didn't make me, because like sometimes when you go in for professional help, there's people. And I mean, I was there once as well, but you almost get to this point where it's like scary and you feel like you, you can't necessarily say everything that you want to say, or you just, you're uncomfortable. And that's why if you like, if all of our friends are educated and everyone that we know is educated, then it's like, you can utilize all those people and you can utilize them for as long as it may be, because at least they'll have some knowledge behind it and they'll know how to help in some, like some form or another. And I mean, I could go on and on about all of this, but I like, I don't know. I think it would just be, it'd be so beneficial just to have, have it in the education system and whether it's a class or whether it's just like a seminar that happens every couple months or whether it's like, I, I don't know. I think there's so many different ways that you can look at it in so many different ways that we could help all these young kids that are struggling. And cause especially like in high school and middle school, that's when judgment happens to an, an insane amount. And that's when there's people like, for instance, the story about Amanda Todd. And it's like, that stuff should never happen, but it does. And it happens on a regular basis and it continues to happen. And like the bullying just becomes to a point where it's not little banter back and forth anymore. It is stuff that hits home and it's stuff that actually means something. And it's kids making fun of less privileged kids or kids that are like have gotten everything given to them on a silver platter. They're making fun of the kids that didn't and kids that are working hard for what they have. And because they don't get six new pairs of shoes every couple of weeks then they're looked at differently and that's when like it all becomes so just it's so wrong and 
there's so many things that need to change, but I think ultimately the place that we start is obviously implementing it into the school system at in some form or another. Um, but a question that I have for you is, have you been kind of like a big advocate behind seeking professional help or is it something that is still kind of wishy-washy on your end? Um, I would say I'm probably a massive advocate about getting professional help. Um, I got, I think the first time I got professional help, I was 14 years old. Mm -hmm. And if there's anyone listening to this under the age of 18, um, please take note to this. Um, all across BC, there's a center in Kelowna, there's a center in Vernon, there's a center in Penticton, and I think West Kelowna. Um, They're called BC Children's Mental Health Institutions. They are 120% free. If you are under the age of 18, you can go in, you can, um, your parents can take you, you can go talk to a school counselor, they can arrange something for you. Um, it will be confidential if you need it to be confidential, as in your parents don't need to know that you're attending it. It is probably the most comfortable environment that I had ever been in. Um, I've never had anything to talk about mental health. Um, it is an environment that um, really helped me through the darkness when I was like in middle school and early high school. Mm -hmm. um, I would strongly, strongly advocate finding, you know, it does take again, um, Sometimes it does take therapist flipping or counselor flipping. Um, unfortunately, we see, um, I would say psychiatrist flipping, um, but unfortunately it is extremely difficult to come in contact with a psychiatrist. I feel very grateful that I do have a psychiatrist, um, but I think that it is so important to be able to see a professional that is able to understand what you're going through. And I think a big thing for me when I was young is I thought I was a freak. I thought that something was so wrong with me that what, like I felt like a monster. I was like, why, why do I feel these periods of, I guess, just all, like overwhelming despair in my life that I don't want to be here um, and especially when I, like, I uh, had sexual assault or rape or whatever the correct term is for that, I had overwhelming guilt and I had um, no one to tell, like you were talking about um, Amanda Todd. And I think mm -hmm. that was the year that that incident happened. And I felt like I couldn't talk about it to anyone because the buildup to before that, there was lots of them. Um, watching that went into that whole incident before and I thought that if I spoke out about it I was going to be ripped to shreds that I would be blamed that no one would believe me that you know it was my fault and there was a lot of other traumatic um experiences that went on around that event um but being able to go and see a professional about it it almost felt like a huge weight was um, lifted off my chest that, you know, someone knew and someone was willing to just sit there and listen and that they believed me was astounding to me as a 14 year old who, 
you know, most young people, um, even kids, I would even say young adults even do tend to get um, overlooked or ignored, I find by, oh, you're young, um, you don't know what loss is, or, oh, you don't, you don't know what anything is, uh, you know, very invalidating in lots of senses. Obviously, that isn't for every single person, but I find that a lot of people have experienced situations like that. Um, but I, the one thing that is definitely amazing about going to go see a counselor or therapy is that um, they are they are there to give you, in a sense, a toolbox. And in that toolbox is going to be tools to help you deal with certain things. Um, for example, um, so I have like bipolar two disorder, and I also have comorbid. ADHD and anxiety disorder, OCD, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, when I talk to, let's say a psychiatrist, they go, okay, so with your ADHD, which I had my whole life, I had no idea, um, they began to give me, you know, I guess pamphlets, and so they'd be like, so I'm guessing you're really disorganized, and you procrastinate, you know, um, and you go off the hook with a couple of things and you know whatnot I'm like yeah basically um so they're like okay so we're gonna give you some ideas of how to make your life more organized and structured so that it benefits you so you're not working against yourself you're working with yourself Mm -hmm. um which is definitely amazing um as well as uh, I don't know if you've ever used it, um, but the the Canada-wide crisis line for texting or calling, um, they're open 24-7. You can text or call them. They do an absolutely amazing job with talking to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely recommend if you, anyone ever, isn't, you know, even if they aren't feeling like they're in a necessarily crisis state, Um, but you know, even if they're feeling like I've been really sad for months and I, like, I, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Um, if you go and text a number, I, it's only a four digit text code. I supposed to write it down, but I forgot to, but they will also give you the resources to go and talk to people too. So if you text them and be like, Hey, I'm feeling really stuck. I'm dealing with this. Um, they will text you or call you and tell you eight different websites with multiple different resources, which definitely is amazing. And I think that um, one technique that I would definitely, I guess, strongly advocate for, I guess, for anyone that does have someone in their life that does deal with, um, you know, if they are dealing with, you know, suicidal idealization or thoughts is, and you know, if they come to you and they talk to you, it is something you know, very difficult to deal with because as an outsider, you're like, oh my gosh, like this person wants to die. Um, That isn't necessarily always the case. Um, You know, just because someone is having suicidal um, thoughts doesn't mean they're going to act upon it, but it is something very serious that needs to be caught before further steps need to go. And one thing that really stuck with me was Um, speaking to the when I spoke to the crisis line on multiple things is they have this I guess technique they use to talk to you and how I basically word it is 
they're not giving you reasons not to die. They're giving you reasons to live, Mm -hmm. which I think is something that has extremely helped me um, and some other people. um, Because I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with someone at all. Like people are trying to help you. And that is absolutely amazing. If you are having someone that is sitting through with that deep, dark part, that is amazing. Um, But the best thing I think I've encountered was when I was talking the crisis line, it wasn't, no, like, uh, don't do this. Um, you have your family. Uh, no, don't do it. Um, so-and-so is going to be upset. It, they go through and they start going, so what's your favorite place you've ever been to? They start asking you questions and being like, well, I think you should really get the opportunity to go see the ocean again. You just said how much you love the ocean. They start bringing things that are small goals and things that you know, when you're in your head that it seems like there is no, there's no light in a sense. There's, you know, I think that depression is a liar. That's also a really good book. Um, It's online that it tells you lies. And when someone there is sitting to you and reminding you of small things in your life that bring you joy, like for me, uh, I really enjoy traveling and they're like, okay, well, where else would you like the opportunity to go? And they start diverting your mind to, you know, it could be, um, oh, you said you were really looking forward to this video game that's coming out next year. They start diverting your thought process to, you know, to some, it may seem like small details in the matter, but really bringing in small points to, you know, bring your mind to being like, oh, well, I forgot that how much we liked skydiving or scuba diving or, you know, going on hikes or, you know, it really helps to, you know, redirect the mind. And I would say that, you know, absolutely, re- if you if you can and you have the means to, definitely reach out to a professional. They will give you a lot of help and information. Um, that will help you through those times. Um, you also can um, reach out to a counselor if you are just even wondering about, um, you know, you know, let's say a family member, um, a friend, someone that you're in a relationship with, and you're like, hey, so and so that I'm, they're dealing with these things, and it's it's also having an impact on me, and I'm wondering what I can do to help benefit them. You can also do that too. Um, but I think kind of a well-known like uh, on well known fact in the school systems is um, I there are a lot of you know I have heard stories of not great experiences with school counselors um, with stuff which apparently has been a weird running common thing which I'm like that is not okay that that's an issue mm-hmm. um, but if you do have a school counselor that you do feel okay with, um, you can go out and ask them to reach out for further help for you if you are in high school. Also, universities do have, almost every single university has some kind of mental health um, outlet. I know UBC does, UBCO does, and they do an amazing job. They work around your school schedule, um, your classes and stuff, which I definitely think is um, very, very beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, I I do strongly think that, you know, in, I guess, not early education, but 
I think definitely in middle school and in, you know, junior high school, that there should be, you know, maybe once a year there's a class. I'm going to say, you know, like sex ed, there's sex ed in, you know, once you're in grade seven, once there's in grade eight. Um, and, you know, and I think probably up to different schools have different policies, like probably up till grade nine. And you know what? Um, the kids, half the stuff goes in one ear, out the other. The, they joke about sex. They um, laugh about it, you know. But, you know, it does, in a sense, provide some educational um, assistance. But I do definitely think that, you know, um, being able to sit down with a group of grade sevens to grade nine, grade 10 kind of area and, you know, slightly explaining what, let's say, you know, what is depression? What do these kind of feelings have like? What is anxiety? What is a healthy amount of anxiety? And when does anxiety, I guess, become something that really needs to be helped with? Mm -hmm. um, especially with, you know, for me and um, bipolar is it, I'm actually really lucky because bipolar usually doesn't get detected for, some people are 30. I think it's the average age of, is uh, that diagnosis is 25, same with onset um, is, you know, I was completely unaware um, that, you know, these things that I was experiencing, especially while I was being in like a hypomanic or manic state, which um, I know you talked about on your, I think it's podcast number three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I was listening to and I was listening to that and that was actually before I got my diagnosis and I was like, oh my gosh why is someone like someone else gets it someone else is um you know you know i'm not by myself like these things that i experienced like i always remember um when she said she was talking about when she was in a like a manic or hypomanic state and she was talking about how she thought that she's like oh god will help me pass this test and you know, I thought it was a completely normal thing to all of a sudden go from being someone who is extremely um, body self-conscious and has issues to being, oh, I can step on anyone that I want. God has blessed me. I like believing that you are on the level of a God and having, they're, they're called delusions of grandeur, which, you know, basically means that you're having these Base, thoughts in your head that something that isn't true that is true so for me I've had experiences and you know it's when I whenever I look at it it's quite humorous and I've had experiences where I'm like I'm up at four in the morning and I am excessively drawing and journaling and I'm thinking that I'm having a direct connection from a higher being <laughs> that is compelling me to, that I have this is this is pivotal this is a pivotal moment that I have to express to the world or you know these thoughts and then you know eventually they'd go away and I'm like oh everyone just must get this way at some point in their life where they think that you know every single night is a you know is just some sort of giant manifestation of random things I guess in a sense and I, I had no idea. I just thought that this was something that, oh, everyone must be like this. 
oh, um, yeah, what do you mean people don't randomly just decide to, you know, drive three hours away from their home for no pointless reason and then decide to turn around and then, you know, participate in very, very reckless behavior and poor decision making. That was something that was never, oh, I just must be a rebellious teenager. Oh, I'm in university. You know, this is what university students, um, you know, do and experience um, or, you know, creating these things. But I really had no idea because I wasn't educated um, until I started, I'm a big YouTube watcher. Mm-hmm. And I, there's a couple YouTube channels that I started to watch. And one of them is called, um, there's one called Polar Warriors, which I would highly recommend to anyone that is either struggling with bipolar disorder, um, knows someone with bipolar disorder, is curious on educating themselves, or, you know, self-diagnosing is bad. But if you're like, oh, I've kind of been experiencing kind of my life feels like a roller coaster. Um, and to check that out, it's definitely extremely educational. And another thing is a lady called Dr. Tracy Marks, she's a psychiatrist on YouTube, who also gives phenomenal, you know, 10 minute or less videos about anything mental health related from psychosis, schizophrenia, OCD, ADHD, personality disorders, and does it in such a you know, a very easy way to understand, which I think is something that is very pivotal for, you know, lots of people, because it is definitely hard to understand when, for me, um, I love the science aspects. I love to know what's going on in my brain and, you know, what, oh, this chemical isn't working. This is why I'm not feeling this way. Um, You know, and it definitely is something that is hard to understand for, you know, a lot of people and understandable. Um, but there is so many amazing resources that are accessible online, whether it's Instagram or YouTube or um, Twitter or, you know, even in like your everyday life and stuff, which I think is something that is something, you know, that is very easily accessible and it's at everyone's fingertips, but, you know, not everyone's aware of it, you know. Uh, when I told I told a couple of my friends, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to speak on a mental health podcast. Mm-hmm. And they're like, a mental health podcast? And I'm like, yeah, those exist. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically, um, which I think is something that a lot of people, it's coming to more of people's attention, which I think is absolutely astounding. Um, and it is, I can't even begin to say how much of a fresh breath of air it is to have a conversation with someone who I've never met in my life, but has experienced things similar to what I have. And I love um, the thing that you say that not everyone has the same story but your story is able to relate to someone in some sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such an important thing that people are able to, you know, go, oh, okay, Um, I'm struggling with self-harm. Oh, well, someone else is too. And that knowing that someone else also is in it with you, in a sense, with someone is definitely, you know, a comforting feeling. 
And even if, you know, that person and you never have a conversation, but just going, I'm not alone in this. And, you know, it's not just me. It's not just me that's experiencing these um, feelings or events. It's definitely something that I think um, really beneficially affects people, I would say. Yeah, no, 100%. And that's even, that's the coolest part for me, or I guess the best part for me is like these conversations are, and I know we kind of already said this, but these conversations that I get to have are with people that honestly, for the most part that I've never met in my whole entire life. And to have the deepest, most vulnerable conversations with someone new like yourself, like we've never met in real life. At least I don't think, I don't know, maybe we have, I'm not sure. Oh, no. um, but these, like this conversation and any conversation that I have with anyone on this podcast, they resonate with me and they stick with me forever and they will, and they change my life. And it's funny, like it is honestly, it's funny and cool, like beyond cool that you listen to one of the podcasts before you even diagnose and you yeah. just related to it and you kind of like helped you figure some things out and helped you at least like realize that you're not alone and that somebody else is in it with you. And when you, and I think that's like one of the coolest parts is that through everyone's story. And I mean, I notice it myself a lot, but through everyone's story, you always get to hear what like kind of what someone's going through and how you actually relate to it and you get to realize that okay yeah like you said okay yeah so this person does self-harm and this is what they've done and it's like wow like I can relate to that I've done the same and then it's another person's talking about the bullying that occurred at school and then it's like wow like I understand exactly what you're saying and then another person's talking about losing someone in their life and it's like wow like I totally get where you're coming from and even with the things that you can't necessarily relate to on a personal standpoint you at least can relate to the pain that they've experienced and I mean like you'll never this is a this is kind of the cool thing is that with every story there's different emotions and there's different pains there's different happiness joy like every single emotion everyone will experience those to a different extent. And so when you think about, for instance, you like losing your friend, I, I can't, I will never know how you felt in that moment when you found out, like I will never ever know. And I will guarantee you that I've never felt the exact same pain. But for me, when I lost somebody that was super close to me, I know exactly how I felt, but you don't know exactly how I felt. And so it's like, that's kind of the cool thing is, and it just speaks to it. Is that like, no, no two stories are the same and no two emotions are the same, but it's like, you can at least relate to some extent. And that's where it becomes cool. And that's where this whole like platform and just allowing people to speak up and talk about their mental health and share these vulnerable sides of themselves and be courageous and speak up and just prove that like it's okay to have struggles it's okay to it's okay to 
basically express your like everything about yourself on this platform because at the end of the day like I'm here one obviously to allow people to share their stories but two because it helps me as well and that's like the biggest factor is I want obviously like it benefits me so much having you here sharing your story and having other people share their story but at the same time I just know what it's going to do for others and Mm -hmm. if you gain some if you gain something from one of my old podcasts I know for a fact that a lot of other people gain something from your podcast Mm -hmm. and then it's just it begins a snowball effect and it is cool to see that a lot more people are interested in obviously this platform but just mental health in a whole and a lot more people are willing to actually have these vulnerable conversations and are being open about it and I mean I've had some conversations with some people that I never expected to ever talk to me about mental health and I was I was like when they messaged me it it blows me away and even for like for yourself when like I saw your profile and I was like okay so she's traveled she's done like like some stuff and I was like I'm like what is I just don't get it I don't get how you can have all of these things and but like that's the thing is that mental health struggles it's very evident that it's internal and it's something that you can't always can't always see on the outside and that's what makes Mm -hmm. it such a difficult topic um but I do have one question and this is one Mm -hmm. that you can totally veer away from but I'm just curious how how has your like how did the event when you were sexually assaulted at 14 how has that actually like changed your whole life um it definitely I am very very open about it um when I like I would probably say almost all of my friends are aware of it um I've tried to be a thing that my mom told me when I was younger um and with mental health too was you know own it you know talking about it is going to make it less scary for you and other people. Um, But when I went through my sexual assault at 14, um, I was in an abusive relationship, um, which eventually led led to the sexual assault. And that um, definitely, I would say, in a sense, kind of destroyed me as a person for a long period of time um I've definitely I've definitely gone for a lot of therapy for that um but it it's been I would say it's been a long it's been a long journey um to come where I am today where I'm not scared I'm not scared to talk about it I'm not scared to admit it um you know, it's something that, and I for, think for a lot of people that have undergone um, sexual assault, sexual trauma, abuse, um, is in your head, you go, well, why didn't I just do this? Or why didn't I scream? Or why didn't I run? Or why didn't, 
you know, and, you know, coming to terms, I guess, with that, that event happened to you is definitely a lot. And when I was 14, I, I don't think I even knew what the word rape was Mm -hmm. when I was 14. I don't think I was aware of what it's sexual insult was or entitled. So I don't even think I had a word to properly give it. Cause I, I'm sure it was ex- like told to me, but I don't think it was, I wasn't completely aware. And it definitely took years of coming to terms with the event and accepting that this 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 thing happened to me I have two choices either I let this affect me for the rest of my life and I'm gonna live in fear and shame or two I'm going to accept that this has happened to me Mm -hmm. and I'm going to see how I can benefit from this traumatic experience Mm -hmm. and I chose to see how I could benefit from a terrible experience. And obviously by benefit, I don't mean, you know, woohoo, <laughs> this bad thing happened to me. Um, I mean that I've come to terms with this event and through helps of like um, therapy, I have learned that through, these, through this and other events that's happened to my life, that it has built me into the person that I am today. And like your podcast's name, Struggle Creates Strength, is I firmly believe that undergoing traumatic experiences in your life and being able to overcome them. And you know what? I will be honest. I will never 120% probably ever recover from that experience that I had when I was younger. And I'm okay with that. I know that I am very sensitive to strangers, you know, let's say like back in the day when you could go to like a club, um, you know, like, you know, unknowing strangers that, you know, at a club that would grab you or try to touch you. Or even if I was just with friends and someone would come up behind me, I, I am a bit jumpy and I'm aware of that. And that's something that I've worked at and I've been aware that I have a very big physical boundary with people and it's taken me years um, to come to terms with you know I'm okay with hugging but for years it was something that was so uncomfortable because for me it was like my physical boundaries in my life had been completely violated um, which I had some very supportive people in my life that, you know, they didn't know that they helped me at all. Um, And I'm not sure if they ever will. I'm not in contact with them anymore, but they um, were very um, huggy people. Whenever they like greeted each other, they came up and they would give me, they'd be like, oh, hey, they'd give me a hug. And this was like in this friend group and there was both guys and girls. Every time it was hugs and it helped me unknowingly come to terms with physical contact with people that wasn't in in my head a threatening manner and I guess another thing that I also have been very like I'm going to find a way that I will benefit 
from this struggle in my life has been now that I've encountered this experience that I've had people come up to me and they know that I've gone through these things and that they feel comfortable enough. And I feel immensely honored that someone feels comfortable enough to come up to me and talk about that kind of very personal and traumatic event. And they go, hey, um, Rachel, um, could I talk to you? Um, this happened and I think that's something that in my mind that I'm like, I'm able to help people now. Mm -hmm. If I'm even able to give someone to relate to or someone they can talk to or just knowing that it's not them, that they aren't alone. And I think for many people in any kind of traumatic experiences, um, whether it's loss, um, sexual trauma, abuse, um, the list goes on, that you feel so alone. And like you were saying a little bit ago that, um, you know, there's so many people around you, but you feel like the loneliest person in the world. And, you know, when, especially when I was younger, I played on every sports team I could. I, I'm a very extroverted person. I was constantly around people, but I always felt alone. I felt like I wasn't there and no one knew me and no one understood the things that I was going through. And I remember listening to um, your podcast, actually. I've listened to all of them. I love um, Yeah, I big supporter. Um, and I remember hearing your story about you going into the bathroom and that word for word was very similar to the experience I had where I'd, I played for on a club volleyball team for years and I would come home and I'd run the shower and I would self-harm and you know hearing you know even years later I was like um after, you know, I, I do have relapses and whatnot with self-harm. Um, but even, you know, being like, wow, like someone else experienced that. And it's definitely something that is very helpful in any event. And especially with, I think, sexual assault in both um, guys and girls. And especially for guys, I, it's something that, you know, I'm also something that I, that's very, very important to me is um, men's mental health. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, men's, the, the leading cause of death, I think in the US, I think it's for men aged, I think it's like 50 to 25 or something that is suicide. Mm -hmm. And that is something that breaks my heart. And I have guy friends that struggle with mental health and I'm the only person that knows and I would never ever you know spill that information and whatnot because it's their privacy and I would never violate that mm -hmm. um but I you know what I did have like you know having especially a guy come up to you and come ask you about things it you know I especially from a male perspective I couldn't imagine the amount of courage that takes to come and talk about something that is so 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 stigmatized with 
um, mental health and sexual assault that, oh, sexual assault can't happen to guys. You're a guy. Oh no, girls can't sexual assault you. Guys just like sex and, you know, no, like uh, other guys can't do that to guys. You know, there's so many systematic integrated things that is built in with, you know, men and like emotions and stuff that really, really makes me, it makes me upset. It makes me feel so sad on the inside because, you know, I know a lot, like not a lot. I know girls that struggle with mental health issues and, you know, it's less of an issue for them to be, hey, I'm depressed or I have anxiety or I'm experienced this or um, I'm experienced loss and I'm grieving. Um, but I have heard some of some guys say, I, I, I can't, I can't let myself cry. I, I just have to push it down. I can't let myself feel this and experience these things. It just really, I guess, I just couldn't, I will never know it because I, I am a girl um, and I unfortunately do not know that experience, but I could not imagine the amount of, I guess, pain that a lot of men undergo in not being able to speak up about mental health and really any kind of thing that is bugging them for the fear of stigmatization and that, oh, you're not going to be manly if you talk about your feelings and stuff, um, which is something that I absolutely am so, it really brings me such joy to see, um, you know, someone like you who is going to be a role model for, you know, younger boys in middle school and high school and even now and seeing you know the amount of guys that have talked on your podcast it really brought me I guess a sense of hope and finally like someone is really talking about men's mental health because mm -hmm. I think that is something that is such a like such an undermined issue um that like really needs to be talked about and like I have a younger brother and you know, I'm like, you know, if my brother ever undergoes something, there's someone that I'm like, you know, I'm like, hey, there's someone I can send him, I could send him an Instagram page. I mean, he's never, you know, discussing things, but just having that someone you can relate to, especially with someone under like, um, like a gender that you identify with and whatnot, and especially people that identify as men, and being able to talk about that, like, I can't even express, like, I feel like, you know, I, I'm obviously a girl, but I couldn't even imagine the amount of, uh, I guess, light on a situation, like a dark situation that you've probably brought, like, a lot of guys. Like, I, I can't even express how grateful I am that there's someone doing that. Like, that's something that I really think is so spectacular that you're doing and that, you know, you deserve all, like, so much credit for. Like, it's, truly something that's amazing okay well two things <laughs> one you brought a tear to my eyes so thank you for the hat and secondly just gave me the biggest smile ever um that honestly like that means so much to me and yeah i i just don't 
like there's a lot of times I think that I honestly like I kind of forget that and I forget that um not I don't forget like what I'm doing what the purpose is but I just forget what it can actually do and what it can mean to someone and and how it can actually benefit someone and it's yeah like that's so true is I think men especially there is this there's this it's a big burden if you if you carry around mental health struggles and I mean that was kind of my thing is because for a long time I I've kept my mental health struggles pretty internal and I never wanted I never really wanted to publicize it I wanted to keep it within and just kind of like, yeah, I express that I've struggled with mental health, but I would never be honest with what I've encountered. And then obviously when I came up with this idea, I decided, screw it. Like I want everyone to know exactly what I've gone through and what I've done to myself and the states that I've been at and where where I'm at now and like what I've overcome and what I've done and what I continue to do and how I'm continuing to try to better myself and ultimately how I want other men, women, everyone essentially like just to, to feel and realize that it's okay to struggle and it's okay to have your own mental struggles. And that was, that was the biggest thing for me was, obviously realizing, realizing how untalked about mental health truly was. And especially for men, because, you know, you have to always, you have to always (laughs) uphold your, your strong manly (laughs) um, persona. And that's, that's the tough part is you don't want to do that all the time. And for me, I was always somebody that's been been an emotional person and has kind of like wore my heart on my on my chest for a long time and never wanted to like try to be somebody else but that's where I kind of already had myself tricked because I was constantly being somebody that I wasn't because when I was having all these super deep dark mental mental thoughts I was I was trying to be this happy-go-lucky person and hiding all of those struggles. And that's the harsh reality of it is that that's what a lot of people do. And men, women, everyone, that's what we do because we don't want people to see this, this vulnerable side of ourselves or see like, see the very sad person. And, and I mean, like, yeah, you don't want to show that you're super sad and super depressed, but at the same time, that's kind of the only way that you're going to get the help that you need and the help that you deserve. And, and that's where it comes down to this platform is just being able to be open with yourself and being able to be open with others and be able to send them somebody's story and be like, Hey, like I listened to this podcast and for what you're going through, I think this could be really beneficial for yourself. And because it's true, like you today have given people like tips of advice and just shown what you've done to get better and what you've done to overcome some of the struggles in your life. And that's how it helps others is because 
somebody will be sitting there and be like, oh, like I have, I'm going through the same thing that she's already gone through. And that's when you start talking about the steps and what you've done to benefit yourself and better your life essentially. And that's how others will do the same. They'll follow the same thing that you've done. And it's like, for some people it's difficult because I mean, I had this conversation yesterday is it's one very difficult to get um, to get professional help in a time like today, because I feel like nowadays a lot more people are reaching for professional help and they are eager to get professional help because this whole COVID thing is uptaking the world. And there's a lot of people that are falling into depressive states, extreme anxiety, loneliness, all of the above. And it's like, I've had a few conversations with people about how difficult it is to get help. And then also the factor of, for some people, once you get older, it costs money and it's expensive and it is not easy to get in and get the help that you need. And that's when it becomes really tough. But if you have people that are sharing their stories and they're talking about the tips that their own psychiatrists or counselors or whoever it might have been, when they're talking about those, how they actually went through something so extreme and they overcame it through the help that they got from their psychiatrists or counselors, and they're actually saying what those professionals told them, then it's like free professional help. And that's what it <laughs> like, and that's how you benefit. And it's like, okay, yeah, like maybe I can't go into my session every whatever, like every week or mm-hmm. every two weeks, but at least I can listen to something that might benefit me to some extent. And that's where, like, that's what I'm trying to kind of do is just allow people obviously see that they're not alone but also gain some tips of advice on how to better their mental health and what they can do and I mean there's so many things that I take out of all these podcasts and I listen to them and it alters my whole like mental mentality and what I want to do to better myself and what I can do to better myself and I mean like yes I go see a psychiatrist and the first one to advocate for it, first one to admit it, first one to talk about it because I love it. I, it's super beneficial for me. And so every two weeks I go see this person, but I also have conversations, obviously within the podcast, I have a lot of conversations, which is very beneficial. But then I also have conversations on the side with different people and they're beneficial. Like everyone needs someone to talk to everyone needs somebody to relate to and everyone needs like just an endless amount of tips and tricks on how to actually better your mental health and what other people did. It's the same as for instance, if you're going to get a fitness plan and you want, cause you want to get looking good and you want to get into this beach body mentality. Well, are you going to go sign up with somebody that has proven where they once were and they show the results or are you going to go with somebody that is only like I don't know just shows where they are now and Mm -hmm. like I'm much more prone to go with somebody that shows 
what they where they were at before and where they're at now because you can see that mm -hmm. what they did actually worked and so mm -hmm. that's like this is when somebody explains the biggest darkest struggles that they've encountered and then they've shown how they've actually overcome that and the tips and they've shown the tips and tricks that they've used to actually get to where they are now that's like to me that's where i actually utilize them and i i'm like wow this actually this must work and then you try it and then you do it and then i mean everything within mental health is so trial and error and what works with someone might not work with you and that's that's the part that kind of sucks because there's not some magic it's not some magic potion that you drink and then all of a sudden you're a hundred percent fine and it works for everyone it's trial and error and it's a lot of trial and error and what works for someone might not work for you or what works for you might not work for someone else and that's why mm -hmm. like i don't know i think it's so important just to to try everything and just be oh, yeah. open to it all <laughs> yeah definitely i think that's another like for me especially like i think one thing is that mental health aside is I've had like, you know, I've, I guess failure is probably the wrong word, but mm -hmm. I guess when I went in for getting help, you know, and getting medications is in my mind, I was prepared for failure. Failure is the wrong word to, word to use, but I knew that I'm like, most likely I'm going to go on a medication and I'm going to need to go through five more and it's going to take six months or more to figure out what works and it's going to take a long time to you know find the right counselor or therapist or find the correct outlet um and definitely what you said is so it's almost like um secondhand therapy I'd almost say um like for listening to podcasts or like for when I was younger and even still I watched a certain amount of YouTube and you know hearing other people's experiences um gives kind of light to your situation and gives you okay well maybe I'll try this instead of this um and it is so much trial and error mm -hmm. and I you know but trial and error is super important because you know what works and you know what really doesn't work and I think a lot of people overlook um the what doesn't work portion I definitely think that keeping an eye out on what isn't working with you is something that is very important because for me, I, you know, I would keep going back to the thing that didn't work. I was like, okay, well, I'll just try it again. Maybe it'll work this time. Okay, well, maybe I'll just, you know, obviously doing something a million times and you're getting the same result. It's not going to change. Mm -hmm. Um which did take me as I started for me at least I um occasionally I like to write things down a lot and I like to write down sometimes it's not all the time they'll be like uh this certain thing or whatever made me feel a lot better today um and whatnot and I definitely think that uh, like you were saying about, you know, like the situation with COVID-19 is it has been an absolute festering ground for mental health problems. And I 
don't remember remember seeing it again I don't know how accurate it was with you know uh, depression and suicide rates that have just completely spiked in the recent year um, it has caused basically the perfect situation for depressive episodes to come up putting people into you know isolation which for obvious big health reasons but you know I think that's a big thing for me at least um and I guess kind of my 10 years with kind of figuring out what works and doesn't is you know figuring out for what for me creates the environment for me to slip into a depressive episode what is creating it and obviously um with me having uh, like bipolar disorder is there are um, events, environmental and emotional triggers that can cause a depressive or manic episode, but sometimes it's surprise. Sometimes, you know, uh, you I wake up in the morning and, you know, I sit there and I'm like, what went wrong? I was doing everything right. You know, I, I was eating healthy. I was working out. I, I take my dog for a walk. I, I've been seeing, you know, um, which is something that, you know, I'm still having to come to terms with um, that, you know, sometimes like in my case, sometimes it's unexpected. And despite um, the, as much healthy methods and stuff I can use, um, I do need medication and medication is going to help me you know, level up my mood and, you know, be able to have less severe symptoms and whatnot. Um, but, you know, it is something that I definitely think, like, again, going back to when I listened to Carly. Yep. Yeah. Um, is I felt, um, <laughs> I actually rewatched it yesterday before I came on, like, cause I like, I actually have like five pages of notes around me. Cause I was like, okay, I just got to write stuff down. Cause I mind blank. And yeah. I remember sitting there and listening to her like yesterday and being like, wow, like this person is so brave mm-hmm. for being able to, you know, be so vulnerable and talk about it. And um, coming on here, I, did have like a couple days ago was extremely anxious and very scared to come on because you know I did you know when I got diagnosed I told some people that I had bipolar disorder and the reaction was not great um not in the sense of you know being like you know not supportive or anything but it's such a stigmatized mental illness that people often um, are like, oh, someone's bipolar, they're crazy. Mm-hmm. They go from being suicidal to an absolute crazy person. They're not stable. They, you know, have drug addictions. They, you know, there's all these things and they're not functionable, which all of those are untrue. Um, and, you know, and I will be honest, I was, terrified because I'm like oh my gosh um this is gonna be put on the internet and everyone that I know that could possibly see this is going to go 
oh my gosh, this girl's insane. <laughs> um, which I mean, probably not. I mean, if they do, that's their own problem. Um, I don't, I'm pretty stable at the moment, but you know, it is something, and especially, um, you know, I know someone who does um, have like a, like schizophrenia. And that is again, something that I was having a conversation with them. This was a while ago, I met them through school and, you know, people kind of classify certain disorders as more severe and schizophrenia and often bipolar disorder, especially bipolar one, um, do get classified as being a more severe or whatever you like disorder and schizophrenia is an extremely difficult thing to cope with. I obviously can't speak of it because I do not um, live with schizophrenia disorder, but I will always remember this person talking to me and going, wow, it was really nice telling you about this and you not being scared or having a negative reaction because I find for lots of things and it can be, you know, self-harm, um, major depression, anxiety, OC, basically every single mental illness is, I think that people are scared of what they don't understand. Mm -hmm. um, and not necessarily like they're scared that something is going to hurt them, but especially when it's, you know, a loved one or someone they're close to is, you know, hearing, like, for instance, someone's like, um, for me, like, just with a friend, I was like, yeah, like, I, I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And for me, it was the biggest relief. It felt like, this makes sense. <laughs> Thankfully, like, I was like, yep, makes sense. I'm so relieved that I have a diagnosis along with comorbidities that make sense for things in my life. And a lot of people, it is something if they are um, uneducated, it is something that, you know, is scary to hear, um, you know, cause you normally hear about the worst parts of things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and a lot of times they, especially if they haven't undergone what you've gone through, um, it, I find it's very hard to put words to feelings, especially, I'm gonna say, like for me at least, it's hard to put words to feelings for feeling um, very depressed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, it was actually interesting is for me, when I've encountered periods where I've like, um, I lost my teammate, is I felt deep sadness. And it was really interesting because I felt sad. I wasn't depressed. And I think that's something, at least for me, that I find that when I'm depressed and it's not sad, when I feel sad, it's a completely different, I guess, feeling. And it's something that I experience differently. But when I feel depression, it feels like I'm having this, I, my entire body is so heavy, I can't get out of bed. And it, it feels like the weight of the world is crushing me and that there's no hope and that I shouldn't be here and that basically you know it's this just deep dark hole that I can't I like that I can't climb out of by myself mm -hmm. 
and you know expressing that to people sometimes is something one very difficult to put words to if you're going through it um and two it's a scary thing to go um but I my mom and I made up this um I guess technique for being able to communicate how I'm feeling which has worked phenomenally and we basically call it the depression scale and the uh-oh scale or you know suicidal scale I guess in a sense and basically if there's two scales of one to five and one to five on the depression scale is how depressed I'm feeling and if I go past a five and I go on to the uh-oh scale that's when things are serious because for me I can be depressed and not be like being a serious threat to my own well-being and I can go through bouts of my life with milder symptoms of depression and I can cope with that but when I pass the depression scale and for me when I go on to the other scale that's when I need help and it has been probably one of the best things that I've figured out in my life is having a way to communicate with my mom and really with you know I've used this with other people in my life where they've noticed I'm being sad and they're like hey Rachel um where and which scale are you feeling on and I'd be like um I'm feeling kind of like I've just kind of been a three on the, the depression scale for a bit and they're like okay um thank you so much for sharing or I can be like yeah I've kind of gotten to a two on like the the bad scale and they're like then it gives them the knowledge that I'm feeling that way and it also allows them to understand the severity in sense which has been absolutely amazing to figure out a way to communicate those kind of feelings with someone which thanks mom for figuring that out I will forever be grateful of it and I will also forever be grateful of any small person in my life like not small person small interactions from people that I'm not close to and I guess I mean send this email for weeks um but this year uh, a couple yeah, a month ago I was doing terrible um I genuinely don't know how I'm here that's how bad it was but I'm here and I'm proud of myself for being here um and I will always remember um I had this professor and they emailed me because I was missing assignments oh sorry this makes me tear up because I've never had like a person do this and it's so small I had a professor and she emailed me and she said hey um are you doing okay and like how are you feeling I've just noticed you're missing a couple assignments and I was just wondering if there's anything I can do to help and um get you on the right track um I've never met this professor in person before and I think this is you know not a huge class but it was still probably like a 60 person class and you know she's maybe seen my face on zoom once or twice but I will always remember that I had a university professor that noticed that one of her students had in a couple assignments that were worth a lot. And I like, I, it like, this happened a bit ago and I like, it still makes me feel 
so emotional that, you know, someone checked on me. Mm-hmm. That someone just, you know, they weren't even asking if this was like, you know, oh, are you depressed or are you feeling, are you going through, you know, really bad periods of like hypomania and not getting things in? But it was just someone, basically a stranger who just sent an email and said, hey, I noticed you weren't handing some things in. How are you doing? And I wish I could express in words or in person, which unfortunately I can't just say how thankful I am to this professor for doing that. And it's something that I think that, you know, many people like think of those small moments in their life that, you know, make those kind of impacts, which I think is so important on checking on people that are close for you. And you don't have to be hounding them. Don't have to dig for information. They're saying, hey, it's been a while. How have you been doing? I'd love to catch up some time. Obviously, when things are, you know, safe and people are allowed to go in, see other people and whatnot. But I definitely think that checking on your friends and your family and your loved ones is something that is very important and should definitely be something more normalized, I guess, to do. Mm-hmm. No, totally. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, that's like, I th- yeah, like that's amazing. And just the fact that somebody that you've never met in person and just how, like, that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is something so small can go such a long way. And it's just a, a matter of fact of asking someone, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Noticing when something's a little off and it's not like, I know, I don't know if you can relate to this at all, but for me anyways, I've had people that have noticed when I'm off and it almost like, they almost get frustrated with me because I'm off and because I'm down. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what do you want me to do? What? Like, yeah. Because trust me, like, I don't want to be like this either, but like, what do you want me to do? And it's just a matter of knowing that people understand and not everyone will understand. And that's the reality of it. And that's why, like, I always revert back to professional help because I never feel like I'm being a burden on my friends or family by sharing Mm -hmm all these things that are going on in my life but yeah I don't know I think there's so many so many different things and just having someone you've never met never talked to actually just reach out and ask how you're doing like that's such like that's amazing and that's remarkable I just yeah that's incredible I know it's a professor (laughs) some professors I'm like terrified of this lady is so kind she's very very nice and it was just something was so shocking and you know like you were saying like the burden part and I have also experienced what you just said where it's you know people notice you're feeling off and get mad at you mm-hmm. and you're like I don't want to be like this either like uh, <laughs> you know if I could just snap out of it I would um and I you know and I I feel 
you know, if any people, like for me, I don't like to worry people at all. Mm-hmm. So I don't, it's very difficult for me. I'm very open about that. I have mental health um, struggles that I undergo, but I find it very difficult to actually talk to people when I am struggling because I don't want to scare them, worry them. I don't want to cause, I don't want me to be an issue for someone else mm-hmm. um, is a big thing. So again, like I, you know, I do also prefer to, you know, talk to mental health professionals because, um, you know, they have been trained and stuff to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, when I have gotten to the point where, you know, I have tried to take my life and I have been to the hospital, um, I people go, why didn't you say something? And for me, it's, it's hard to it's hard to express to someone the very dark feelings that you're undergoing mm-hmm. also again in i i feel for me at least i don't want to be a burden and i don't want to scare someone i don't want to you know i'm always worried that i'm i in my head i am constantly worried that i am too much that i am too much for people and that I am just this unstable chaotic person that you know isn't easy to deal with and you know I've been told by my parents and other people they're like that's not true um sometimes yeah you're a kid you're annoying or yeah you're my best friend (laughs) um (laughs) whatever um but it is very hard for a lot of people to express the darkness that they're feeling. And, you know, I know it's a very, I guess, cliche saying, but, you know, there are things, people always go, it's always the ones that smile the most, the ones that you don't expect that are a lot of times suffering a lot. Um, and which in both cases, when I was in grade 10 and I lost a classmate and my teammate, um, it was super unexpected. It was something that, you know, you go, but, but they were, they were smiling and we were laughing and they were joking. And, you know, for me, lots of people, I'm, I'm very talkative. I love, I make really stupid jokes all the time. I like to be very social and, people, you know, a common reaction is, you're depressed, or you've, you tried to kill yourself, or, you know, mm-hmm. I guess a sense of shock um, for people, because, you know, it is something hard to express, especially if, you know, you have these, I guess, um, I don't know what the word is, but these kind of social expectations of yourself that okay well I'm always for me in sports I'm like okay well I'm always the most supportive excited peppy person on the team like I I can't I can't be upset like I can't you know I can't bring these feelings to the court I can't you know express these things because I'm gonna ruin my team dynamics and whatnot um which you know evidently it it affected me, it affected my playing, it affected 
you know, so many things. And also one thing that I think that a lot of people, I guess that isn't talked about a lot is um, with a lot of mental illnesses, there are physical symptoms that come on. So for a lot of people that undergo, um, you know, periods of depression, people will get um, digestive issues, chronic headaches, um, heart problems, uh, stomach ache, like, you know, there's lists of things. So I also would just be feeling sick, mm-hmm. also mentally unwell. And obviously not everyone does, but people with different kinds have different things. So um, I suffer from migraines, which is a weird common occurrence with bipolar disorder. Um, doesn't happen all the time, but it's just this weird thing. Um, but especially I find in sports is, and I know that you like participate, like you played sports as well. And like hearing your stories about um, your experiences with like sports and mental health is that it is something very difficult, I guess, to express in an atmosphere that intense I mean I love the intensity I'm a very competitive person um in an atmosphere that is supposed to be competitive and intense and you know pushing to the next play into the next boundary and then feeling that you being like hey coach like I can't I haven't eaten in three days mm-hmm. I I might pass out or hey coach, um, you know, like I played volleyball and like for me, I've suffered like volleyball, tight uniforms. That is a well-known thing. (laughs) Everyone knows that. And uh, for me who has had ongoing um, body and occasional eating issues throughout my life is, you know, being mortified to play in nationals and have that many people seeing me in tight clothes or, you know, going to, you know, for me, um, a lot of times going to the beach with friends and someone pulls out a camera is instant anxiety for me. Cause you know, I'm like, I, I don't like the way I look. And it's something that I constantly am dealing with to, you know, accept myself and accept my body and for who I am. And, you know, something that I guess, you know, isn't commonly brought up with and I guess just lots of environments or kind of consideration I guess with people or you know forcing that's another thing with reaching out with people is you know lots of people have fear of reaching out to people because people do encounter negative reactions where you know you know I've even I've been I'm guilty of this too I'm by no means I've done this and I work very hard is I want to help people and I want to fix people. And if there's an issue, I want to fix it. And I understand that you can't fix things. You can't change people. Um, And, you know, having someone that is trying to, in a sense, fix you is very sometimes difficult to deal with. And I think that, you know, the best things for me, I find, is having someone that goes, okay, I'm going to sit with you through this storm. I'm just going to be there. And if you need anything, and if you just want to sit there and play video games for hours, and just you just need someone there, I'll just sit there and I'll be there with you. 
And that honestly means the world to me and I think many other people. Um, you know, I definitely, I definitely think if I could give one word of advice to people who are, you know, part of a support system for people that undergo mental health issues would be be mindful of your own mental health while helping someone. That is something whenever I, whenever someone I have that is close to me and I tell them about this and they're like, I want to help you. I always make sure that I'm like, if my mental health ever affects yours, you by all means, please let me know. Mm -hmm. And you don't have, don't have to feel like you're constantly on my case or watching. Um, but I guess my best piece of advice is for someone that is helping is I'm a terrible listener. I, my ADHD unfortunately makes me very antsy and loves to interrupt people working on it that, um, but, you know, being able to sit and just listen to what the other person has to say and sitting there processing that and then being able to respond to that in a thoughtful manner instead of being, oh, okay, well, you should just go to the gym or which is, I can't even tell you how many times I've gotten that in my life. And then I've had to explain, I'm like, well, I actually don't have the physical energy to go to the gym right now. Um, but having someone there that is patient and can sit and listen is something that is so amazing and that I hope that everyone can find those people that can do that for them. Mm -hmm, definitely. And kind of stemming off of that, you talking about how to help people that are going through it, what would be your biggest tip of advice for somebody that is actually going through mental health struggles of their own? My number one biggest piece of advice is it's about the small goals. Mm -hmm. It's about every tiny step that you take that is important. For many people, you know, for me, it's, let's say I'm going through a bad period. Wow. I got out of bed and I ate half an apple today. That's an accomplishment that I was able to get out of bed and make myself eat something or wow, you did your laundry for the first time in whenever. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Making those small pivotal tippy toe movements in your mental health journey. They are all valid and important, no matter how small the step you take, because mm -hmm. every small step you take leads you to recovery in a sense and getting to a better place where life gets better and I again it's cliche it it does get better it absolutely it is something that you know for me um with bipolar disorder you know it gets bad and it gets better and hopefully with um medication and stuff that I'm able to level up more but I can promise every single person in their life that is questioning whether that they deserve to be here and that they aren't important, that they are so loved and important and that life gets better. 
mm-hmm. that it it truly does and it it can take months days years but it does get better and i truly hope that anyone out there does get to experience and under like get to go wow you know i'm happy to be here and um it was even like oh sorry it always makes me tear up because it's like for me i guess um like i turned 20 in october and I spent the whole night before my birthday crying because I, I wasn't supposed to make it this far. Um, you know, I wasn't supposed to wake up when I was 14 at one point. And there's many other points in my life that, you know, uh, have obviously led to me being here and I'm happy to be here and I'm proud of myself being here. Um, but I, I didn't think I'd make it this far, but I'm here. And I am making small goals to work to get better. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm, and I'm on it. I like, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just, you leave me speechless and just, it blows me away. And just to know that yourself, like that you, like that was a realization that you had was, I wasn't supposed to be here. And that's like, that blows me away. And it just like, it obviously like it makes you encounter, like makes me anyways, encounter pain and makes me just feel the things that you've gone through. And it, it's like upsetting, but almost captivating in a sense to know like what you've gone through and where you are now. And Mm-hmm. Where, like what you continue to do and just you being here you helping other people is unbelievable um what do you have like any form of a quote or a saying that you kind of live by um I guess one quote um that I have I think it was my dad introduced me to something I'm like a big Lord of the Rings Star Wars kind of you know <laughs> person um but it's a quote by uh J.R.R. Tolkien and it's it simply isn't an adventure worth telling if there aren't any dragons. Um, and, you know, whether the dragon is fun, who knows? Um, or it's in a sense, something that you have to encounter. And, you know, in your life, a dragon could be anything, any kind of thing that you have to overcome. And every single person alive encounters their dragon. And everyone's individual dragon makes who they are an individual and makes them unique and gives them their own special story, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and just one last little thing before we wrap it up. Mm-hmm. But, um, I know that like you've helped me today and I'm sure you will help a lot of others. And I know people will want to reach out to you. Where could they actually reach you at and where, like, what's the best line of access to get you um I mean honestly uh my Instagram anyone if anyone I have actually I have had people before when it uh message me on Instagram mm-hmm. before and just basically ask for you know someone to talk to and I've never felt more honored in my life that someone felt comfortable enough to reach out to me um definitely probably on my instagram 
just send me a message or on Facebook, send me a message. Um, I'm by no means a professional. I'm by no means a therapist or anything. Um, but I definitely would never, ever turn away someone to come talk to me. If someone has my number, I don't care. Call me at four in the morning as many times until I wake up. I have my, this is stupid. I have my phone on a setting where like, even if my ringer isn't on, it like vibrates stupidly noisily and loud so that I will wake up. Cause I have had people call me at late hours of the night, whether it is for, I've had people call me for a ride from a situation they feel unsafe with, or I've had people really struggling with mental health. Um, and I feel deeply, deeply honored that people have felt comfortable enough to do that. Um, and I would never ever turn away someone. Um, I would definitely not be able to do it to the, like, you know, communicate to the full extent if I am going through a lot of stuff myself, because unfortunately I can't, I can't give the help people need when I need that help myself to the same extent, but I will always at any time, like if anyone ever reaches out to me on any social media platform to have a conversation, a call, a talk, I am always extremely open to chatting. <laughs> that's, no, that's awesome. And I know that they'll definitely gain some form of benefit <laughs> from you. And, um, but just to touch on that last little bit is that's so true. And I think that's what something a lot of people need to realize is that you have to put yourself first and you have to think mm -hmm. about yourself first because the advice that you give someone when you're struggling yourself may not be the same as when you're okay mentally. And yeah. I think it's always like, it's the same as when you're on an airplane and the things come down from over your head for <laughs> you first. Cause you have to look out mm -hmm. for, your, for yourself first so that you can help others. And yeah how it is and that's what like that's what you have to do and I just love that saying and I I hope everyone respects that appreciates that and I mm -hmm. hope that they actually reach out to you yeah I definitely think that is super important to if you are struggling help yourself first because I've gone through situations where I've tried to I've been not doing well and I've tried to help other people and it does put you and the other person into a worse place um you know because you're giving all of your energy to somebody else um but I definitely think that yeah it is super important to look after yourself and mm -hmm. be yeah. mindful I guess yeah no definitely okay mm -hmm. well honestly I I cannot even begin to thank you enough for coming on the podcast today and reaching out to me listening to all of the podcasts super fan I love it <laughs> no but no seriously. mental health stuff yeah, what can i no. say your your support and just all your kind words that you continue to say and just the presence that you have played on this podcast and in my life even now and it's it's awesome and i i just can't thank you enough so as much as i'll try here's one big final <laughs> thank you so thank you very much for everything thank you thank you so much for having me and stuff of course. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Struggle Creates Strength. I hope everyone enjoyed Rachel's story and I encourage you to reach out to her and have some vulnerable conversations with her. If you want to reach me or come on the podcast, you're more than welcome to at Struggle Create Strength on both Instagram and Facebook, or you can also reach me on my website at strugglecreatestrength.com. All podcasts are posted on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
YouTube, Facebook, and additional posts are posted on Instagram as well. Be sure to follow all platforms, share all platforms, and tell as many friends and family as you can because the more people that know about it means the more people that it can potentially help. I hope everyone enjoyed Rachel's story and just remember that everyone has a story. Thank you.